everyone. It's April, and Tony's here with me today. We're going to talk to Veronica and ask her some questions. And, of course, we're going to give the pet update. Um, everybody's doing pretty good. Um, I am um, got one puppy who's a little bit under the weather, um, Miss Nellie, Nervous Nellie. She has, uh, she had to go in every, you have to, with a vet, you have to go in every year, once a year for them to assess your pet, even if it's something that they're going to have forever, because she's got that chronic dry eye, and she's got to have eye drops twice a day for the rest of her life, <laughs> and I have, but I still have to take her in. So they took her in, and he took, looked at her, and he said, well, it looks like she has a bad tooth or two. And the last time this particular vet, and I've been with this vet for a long time, I think he's a good vet, but his office management's a bit off. Um, the last time that this happened, it was with Biddy. And they went in for her yearly exam, and they um, said, well, she's got a couple of bad teeth. We should probably clean the teeth, and then we'll pull out those two, and he said, two teeth. So I took her in. They went through the process. I went to pick her up, and they present me with a bill for $3,000. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> Two teeth? <laughs> and, and, you know, and cleaning the teeth and the office visits? Apparently, he got in there, and there were more teeth. needed. He needed to pull 15 teeth. Actually, almost about 17 teeth. Now, that might sound harsh. Those dogs, little chihuahuas, have 43 teeth. And once the teeth go bad, they can get septic, they can get sick. And she was acting a little lethargic, but, you know, I, I didn't chalk it up to anything. But anyway, I am in the process of taking my little nervous Nelly to a new veterinarian. I have one up in Palmdale that worked on Marple. Um, Palmdale is about maybe 45 minutes north of me. I took her up there a while back because they're open seven days a week from eight in the morning to eight at night. They're half the price of everything else. So when he said to me, she has a couple of teeth, two teeth that are, you know, bad news, I got triggered. I didn't say anything. And I said, well, I said, I can't have you do that today because I knew he was going to come back and pull 15 teeth again. I just had that feeling. So I said, you know what? I said, why don't you give her an antibiotic, give her a shot, and then give her some pills. I said, and that'll give me a little bit of time to raise the money for this endeavor. So he was amiable to that. He gave her a shot. She brought her home. She was acting a lot better. In the meantime, I have called um, this other vet in Palmdale. And as soon as I'm done with the um, antibiotics that my old veterinarian gave her, I'm going to take her up there. It's a bit of a drive comparatively. Um, it's about a 10-minute drive to where this vet is, but it's about a 45-minute drive because I really can't take the chance that he's going to come back at me with, you know, another $3,000. He charges $100 a tooth to pull it. Now, if anybody's looking at Chihuahua's mouth, that's itty-bitty teeth. The little fangs are long, but they're like about a half. I mean, they're little. she's little. We're talking five, six-pound dogs here. And so he the last time he charged me $100 a tooth for 17 teeth, which came to $1,700 plus everything else that goes along with it. You know, they, they have to put her under, blah, blah, blah. It came to 3 k So I felt a bit violated 
so I am going to go to this other place. They don't charge per tooth. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to move my, I have two dogs left with this vet and I'm going to take him out of there because the stress of him pulling something, and he never called me. When he pulled these 17 teeth, he never called me to tell me that. He, um, just presented me with a bill. And I said, well, it would have been nice to have a call. And he goes, well, I was pulling teeth. I said, you told me two teeth. And then suddenly it's 17 teeth. I think that warrants a phone call, at least from your office staff. And he's got all these little cute girls running around in his office. They should have called me. They didn't do that once with Biddy. So I can't take the chance again because I really can't afford a $3,000 vet bill at this time. I could pull it out maybe, but I just felt a little violated by the whole thing. So I'm taking her to this other place, and I'll let everybody know how that goes. They have a much better facility up in Palmdale. It's a bigger one. There's like four or five vets, and they've got all. It's like a hospital. They overnight there. It's all this stuff. It's not like one of those access places where they charge you your firstborn child to bring your pet in. But they're very reasonable. So I'm taking her in, and she's responding well to the antibiotic. She's back to her little self. She's 14, and she's nearing that age where you know things are going to start to blow out a bit. So I have to get her to a veterinarian place that isn't going to rape me um, financially uh, like this other vet did and um, see what happens. But she's doing really well. Um, she's hanging out, of course, with Guinness and uh, um, Miss Biddy. Um, but as soon as I'm done with the antibiotics, I'm going to take her in up there because I feel like even, you know, I don't mind paying a $1,000 or so, but when that happened the last time, I would, I didn't want to leave at that time because Guinness, the older Guinness that was leaving the body, was, had been with this vet for 20 years. So I didn't want to leave while he was still breathing in that body. But now I really have no reason um, to stay. And I think I'll feel a little bit better. I'm not going to, you know, confront this guy. He's doing what he's doing. He's not going to change his, you know, way he does business. So I think it's just time. I think that the, the more, more logical, mature thing to do is just to say, I'm going to find another vet. And I have. Um, fortunately, I found one when Miss Marple and my tortoise, they also do exotic pets at this place. They do tortoises and birds and all kinds of stuff. So it's actually, I think, going to be a better choice for me. Um, everybody else is doing just fine. It's We started into turning into colder weather, so everybody, more blankies are necessary. I've turned on all the heaters, turned off all the fans and air conditioners, and everybody's got their own little personal blankie so that in case they get cold, they can, you know, burrow underneath of it. So, Tony, do you have snow yet in Maine? Oh, you're talking about getting cold over there. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, no, 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 we don't have snow. It's quite lovely. It's about 40 degrees. It's beautiful, comfortable. Uh huh. No, you so all your little babies they but they wrap up in their babies. Well, they do, but I have to be in the middle of it all. Of course, oh, of course, of course. When yeah. I watch when I watch TV at night, I have a, I have two two to three dogs on my lap. I have two to three cats, dogs on the back of the chair, and if I have to go to the bathroom. Forget it. Nobody's moving. <laughs> oh, like, no. 
Oh, no, 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 no. They're on top of me everywhere. And I was like, uh, can I get up? And they're like, seriously? We're comfortable. We're not getting up. So I, I always have to make sure I do my bathroom break before they all come and sit on me. Otherwise, I'll never get up again. I know the feeling. I know. Well, we're doing fine yeah. here. Alex is... Oh, I'm glad. Back to normal. Uh, but, of course, I'm cautious. So, right now, knock on wood, we're doing fine. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, huh? I'm going to go get Veronica. And if you okay. say hello to everybody today, that would be great. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. <clears throat> He thinks it's cold over there. Come on. All of us on the East Coast find that, find that like spring weather. She's funny, isn't she? Anyway, um, wonderful question. And you know, I encourage you to write in every week to innerwhispersradio.com and that's I-N-N-E-R whispersradio.com. Are you there, Veronica? <clears throat> Veronica? We are here. Okay. Well, our first question, Janaire would like to know, could an archangel become human again, or are they on another course? stated many times that angelics are very interested in humans. They go out of their way to be helpful to them. Sometimes they focus upon one or um, two that they take really good care of. And you hear all the time about people being taken care of in certain ways, narrowly missing you know, a, a car accident or being pulled suddenly for no reason out of a path of a car. There's lots of things that angelics like to do. They are of way higher frequency. They are a species unto themselves. An archangel is one who has sort of a very um, complex resume. They've done a lot of things. They've evolved. And they have their evolutionary process just like humans do. However, the difference is that an archangel oftentimes will take interest in something and they may incarnate to be helpful to whatever the cause is or whatever the person needs. They may do that. But they don't do it in sort of contemporary ways. Most of the time they will do a walk-in situation where they walk into a form and sort of coexist with the human that's in there to be helpful. There are times where they do go through the whole process, but a lot of times if they come into being human, which they're not all interested in being human themselves, but they will do it to help a human with a particular cause or problem or just, just to be supportive. So they do have their own course that they're on, but unlike humans, they can incarnate to come and help humans. Humans don't incarnate to help angelic. It doesn't work that way. But archangels are highly evolved beings, and they do take an interest in humans, and so sometimes they will come in to a human form, either in a walk-in or they might go through the whole process. It depends on what they're wanting to do. But that does happen. All right. Our next question is coming from Katie. Is there such a thing as a fractured soul? If so, how does one fix it? 
there can be energetic things that happen, sometimes caused by linear dramatics, where a soul will become so disillusioned and lost in physical reality, where they feel like not just their linear life, but their whole essence feels like it's falling apart. That can happen. Unfortunate as it may be, one can fix it, though, by sometimes you have to back up a little bit from dense linear dramatics and perhaps go off on some sort of meditative journey or go off on some sort of crusade where you are not dealing so much with the dramatics of living linear, but going deeply internal and embracing that soul that has become fractured due to circumstance and allow it to heal. Some people call this sabbatical. Some people go on a quest. But it is something that can be fixed, but it takes a lot of work. The soul is usually very resilient, but there can be dramatics that occur that cause even the staunchest of souls to fall apart a bit. But we do think you can be fixed, but it would take a lot of effort and a lot of focus and a lot of times backing up from the dramatics of linear. That's usually what can cause sort of a fractured soul to happen, and especially if it's life after life after life after life, let's say four life incarnations in a row, you meet up with some sort of negative dramatics. That's what can cause it. So it's not just the linear life you're in that needs to be fixed. It is the energy essence of those other lives as well, which that can be addressed through some past life regression. And sometimes if you just know what happens and see it, it can be helpful in your healing. And Lord knows, if a fractured soul is participating, it always wants to be healed. All right, our next question is coming from Tim. Many times when I'm still awake, the fourth sleep, or meditation with my eyes closed, a picture of something will appear. Is it some kind of connection with my spirit guide? Seem to look directly at it. When one goes into meditation, one is sort of that threshold in the doorway, so to speak, of eternal perceptions. Um, the meditative time, and even when you go to sleep, you usually leave all the linear drama of the day there. And what you're seeing is a glimpse of your spirit guide and of your own soul kind of coming forward for that opportunity. And we don't think you'll ever be able to focus on it completely, but that's what it is. It's more important to be focused upon the energy exchange than trying to figure out what it is you see. But that energy exchange from a guide that really wants to help you can give you a lot of information and a lot of support that you might not have if you don't engage it. So you are seeing your own soul, but it's not meant for you to see them directly. It's meant for you to engage in their frequency because that's what will ultimately help you the most. All right. Uh, Karen would like to know, I was standing in a department store line and right in front of me there was a perfect puff of light gray smoke. 
My question is, does seeing smoke appear then disappear have any spiritual meaning? Well, what it really is is sort of a dimensional space, sort of a tear in the dimensional space. And what you're seeing is an energy out of that dimensional space into yours. And then when the energy realizes, oh, I've sort of tripped into another dimensional space, it will go back. That is about as spiritual as it gets. Um, dimensional spaces are not part of the spiritual realm. Uh, they're all very linear and all very different. But the light gray smoke part indicates to us that this was more of an energy. So in this particular case, that smoke was probably the soulful energy of an energy that was maybe crossing out of another dimensional space and happened to trip into yours. Complicated, we know. But we think all of you should take a look at dimensional spaces and... uh do a little reading up on it because it will help you understand the difference between the eternal space, dimensional space, linear space. I mean, it's all these different things within the reality that you're in. So we applaud, could see this, Karen. Um, we think you should look for more because it's ultimately when you can see just a little bit, it's giving you the clear sign, hey, you can do more than this. So we'd say, be aware. Pay attention. And when you see things, take the moment. Even if you're standing in a department store line to get out of the store, take the moment to really embrace what you're seeing and ask, who are you, where are you from, and what's up? We think it would be a delightful thing for those of you who are more advanced to participate in. So we say, Karen, next time it happens, ask it what it was. Or... I say, what dimensional space did you turn the wrong way in? <laughs> that kind of thing. We believe very much that there are those as well who from the other dimensional space would like to reach through and have a conversation with you all. You are fortunate, Karen, because you can see it. So we would highly suggest to you, do a little bit more of it. You might be fascinated by what you find. All right, Veronica, that was our last question. If you want to take a break and come back and give the message to the world, that would be wonderful. All right. Okay. Well, everyone, great question. And um, I encourage you, please don't be shy. Write in to com, And really, I mean, we'll try to get your question on the air, but even if it's an extension of the questions we had today, feel free to ask more questions. Um, not a problem. So again, innerwhisperradio.com. Are you there, Veronica? Oh, yes, we are. So here we are, another day on planet Earth. It's not the best vacation spot. It's a little messy at the moment. What you need to do and make sure you don't do, don't fall into the energy of that. Keep your own counsel. Create an atmosphere for yourself that is warm, inviting, comforting. 
whatever that may be, and all of you have varying tastes and desires, find the thing that makes you feel the safest and the most happy. Make it your business every day to create sort of a cocoon of your reality. It will protect you from all the negative stuff that's flying around in the air that could hit you randomly. And focus on the fact that you are a soul having a linear experience, not the other way around. And bring your soulful energy into play. You Wear it like a nice warm blanket and create an atmosphere that doesn't include the opinions, the mistakes, the loud crassness of some of the incarnates who are participating on your planet. Decide that you're going to keep your own counsel. Decide that you're going to find happiness, peace, and tranquility on your own. You can sit with your pets. You can sit with your loved ones. You can just sit outside and enjoy the sun on your face. But the bottom line of it all is connection and love. Those two, those are the two things that are utmost important in linear reality. Don't let yourself get caught up in all the blah, blah, blah. Because it is all blah, blah, blah. We realize it's having an effect upon your planet. We realize it's having probably an effect upon every single one of you. All of you feel a little nervous to us. That's when you go internal. That's when you pray, meditate, chant, whatever it is you do with your spiritual perspective, do it. And make that the priority. And be grateful and happy as much as you can. Check yourself. Be aware of how you're participating. If you're not paying attention to how you're participating, then whatever comes at you is fair game. But if you are paying attention, then you can deflect the things that are meaningless or just plain negative. Create an environment in your own consciousness that is happier, that is loving, that is peaceful. And stay there whenever you can. Now, we realize you've got to tromp out into the world here and there. And some of you have to tromp out into it every day to go to work. But remain inside of your own energy and be aware of how powerful it is and create that peace and tranquility for yourself. You never know. Some of it could ooze out and affect somebody else and make them peaceful and tranquil. Project that. Project peace. Project tranquility. And above all, project love. Even if somebody's being, you know, hostile towards you, you just walk away and send them all the love you can send them because obviously they need it. Start today really creating your own reality. Create an atmosphere that gives you peace, tranquility, and comfort. You can do that. And we suggest all of you begin now. Well, thank you, Veronica. That was a wonderful message. And I want to thank everyone for listening to the show today. We'll be back with you next week with more questions. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.